Welcome back, and it's uh, just gone uh, 1.05, and uh, don't forget uh, the cricket's coming up at the Adelaide Oval, and we'll take you there for the first ball at about uh, 25 past. Now, it might be uh, overcast, and that's why the cricket is opening a little bit earlier today because of the, the rain and uh, the wet conditions last night. But uh, before we know it, it will be 40 degrees, and uh, we will be head-on into our bushfire season. And that's why today uh, I thought we'd have another bit of a chat to the CFS about... Uh, the threats that uh, the state is uh, is facing. And with us is uh, Phil uh, McDonough. I did that last time, didn't I, Phil? You did. <laughs> Joining us, uh, uh, you're, you're, the, you're the CFS compliance officer. That's my day-to-day title. Yeah, yeah so that means you do what? Oh, <laughs> almost anything no one else wants to do in an organisation. Yeah, uh, get Phil to do that. Yeah. yeah. I, I deal a lot with legislation and legislation compliance and uh, codes of practice and developing those sort of um, um, guidelines yeah. for different people in the mm. community. We've also got Michael Kane with us, who uh, is a volunteer with the CFS, and he's been a volunteer for over a decade, haven't you? Yeah, on and off for 13 years or so. Yeah. So let, let's begin, uh, Phil, with uh, the fact that the fire ban uh, districts across South Australia are all in place now. Yeah, we, yeah they are. Um, basically what we do is we try and stagger uh, the different areas of the state because they, they cure at different rates. And the problem that we have is if we actually bring the whole state in all at once, it restricts some of the farming practices um, through the community. So we need to remain flexible. So different areas of the state will come in at different times. Mm. And just uh, last Friday morning at one minute past midnight, we saw the Mount Lofty Ranges, Kangaroo Island and Adelaide Metropolitan Area come into fire restrictions. Now, what does that mean, fire restrictions? Well, it means uh, there are certain practices, use of certain equipment, and the lighting and maintaining of fires is restricted um, during that period of time. Now, it doesn't mean you can't have them, but you need mm. to have precautions in place. Now, we have already seen, haven't we, uh, a couple of cases where lightning has uh, started a couple of fires uh, so far this season, and, you know, the weather hasn't really broken yet. You know, summer hasn't really uh, got, got underway. Uh, there are things we can't do anything about, but... There have been some fires that have been started by people doing perhaps the wrong thing. Yeah, um, because we've we've had such a strange it's lead up weird, to the it? season. Mm. Yeah, a lot of the farmers uh, were trying to actually um, harvest. Uh, and try and get in before the the change of the weather came through, which meant they had to wait longer because they've got to wait for the moisture to come out of the Mm -hmm. crops. So they were pushing um, to actually achieve this. So they may have taken shortcuts and not maintained their equipment to the the standard they may normally do, or they might be trying to rush through and and have rock strikes and and the like. So Mm -hmm. we we do see a bit of that from time to time. And that's uh, the onus comes back to the to the to the land owner doesn't it to, to to take responsibility and not actually you know be a little bit uh, not as thorough as that perhaps should be yeah when it comes to harvesting and that we have um, codes of practices in place and a majority of the community adhere to that and peer pressure is a wonderful thing in the country areas mm. but there are also um, the other activities that people do so um, you know things like welding grinding machining all of those day-to-day practices now have restrictions on them. Mm. And even though the restrictions are there, we have cases where, you know, someone has had a brain fade and is out doing a bit of grinding, you know, and there's long grass around. It doesn't take much for, you know, a couple of sparks to to take off. No, that's correct. And it all um, 
revolves around the dryness of the fuels that are mm. there at the time. So uh, it, it's a matter of everyone remaining vigilant um, through whatever activity they're doing and to make sure they're aware of the surroundings and the impact that their activity is going to have mm. um, on not only the area they're doing but the wider community if something does start. Now, we've uh, had a lot of burn-offs going uh, on, uh, official burn-offs. What about private burn-offs on, on private land? Yeah, uh, there are... It is a, a accepted land management practice, and in some circumstances, the, the burning of native vegetation is encouraged because of ecological purposes. Um, the Department of Environment, Water and Natural Resources uh, have undertaken a, a burning on private land program where they are assisting landholders in burning some of these blocks. But they're doing it strategically, mm-hmm. and they're doing it in line with bushfire management plans for those areas. So we're, we're seeing an increase on these burn-offs um, and we'll, we'll call them prescribed burns because essentially that's what they are. But they're well planned, the resources are in place and um, they're well controlled at the time of burning. But we have had cases, haven't we, in the past of uh, me as a landholder, I do think I do the right thing and I have my own uh, controlled burn off. It goes well, I put it out, I go home, have a, have a stubby, next day... There's a fire roaring, uh, uh, you know, yeah. on my doorstep. We have to be aware that a burn-off in any way, shape or form can be active for, what, 48, you know, 72 hours, can't oh, it? We, we've had cases where uh, three months down the track we've had... That long, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it depends on the soil and, and what's happening in the environment it's burning in. But, uh, and we see it uh, a lot down in the southeast where... It, it can actually burn underground for a period of time and it will pop up at the most ridiculous time and cause us issues. So, yes, you're right. Um, the property owners need to make sure that they take all the precautions they can mm. to control these fires. And we only saw a case uh, Mount Osmond on Friday, I think it was, where, uh, unfortunately, the gentleman who lit the fire thought he had it all under control, but um, the wind picked up, mm-hmm. took it places that he didn't want, and he actually got caught between the fire and got caught up in a barbed wire fence. Barbed wire fence, yeah. And got burnt, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could have ended uh, a, lot, a lot worse, but it just shows how quickly this can all happen. And uh, perhaps you shouldn't be doing a burn-off on your own. Well, no, and you need to make sure that you plan it properly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a, a case of looking out the window and saying, oh, look, it's going to be a great day to do this. It's, a, it's about knowing what weather's coming, uh, what materials you've got, what safety precautions you've got, mm-hmm. what equipment maybe the neighbours can help you do it. Mm. Let's go to, to you, Michael, uh, Michael Kane. Now, you're, you're a volunteer and you've been uh, doing it uh, for quite some time. You began on KI, I believe. Correct, yeah, that's what I got. Um, uh, what, you were in the Pinery Fire, weren't you? Yeah, I was part of a, a strike team that was sent to Pinery uh, for the Pinery fire. Going back, so how is that? How is that? I mean, we lost two lives in that fire. We lost, you know, tens of thousands of hectares of land, uh, about ninety odd buildings, I think, uh, including uh, uh, lots of houses. It, we really dodged a bullet in a way. It could have been a lot worse. What was the memory? For, what's the memory for you? Probably uh, the most distinct memory was driving into the uh, the township of um, Wasleys uh, and a lady tried to flag us down and she said, look, can you help? My house has just caught on fire. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, we'd been directed to go to the school, um, primary school. There were still 14 children at the school uh, seeking refuge and there was fire around the school. We had to make a decision on the spot. Unfortunately, we, we can't assist you. you know, there's these children trapped at the school. So mm. that's where we were sent. That's what we had to do. And, and unfortunately, this poor lady, her house was on fire. But at, at the time, you know, with the conditions of the day, that, that was probably the right thing to do. 
God, that's a real human side of, of what a bushfire really is like, isn't it? And do, do you ever stop and think, hang on, I'm a volunteer, I'm not getting paid to put myself in this danger and go through this this uh, emotional grief that I've got to confront myself with? I, I think in, in the spirit of the moment, you don't. Mm. You know, you're acting on, to some extent, adrenaline and, and, and procedure and this is what we have to do, we've got to get our job done. Mm. So you're not thinking about that. In hindsight, retrospectively, the two or three days later, yeah, you, you think about a lot of those sorts of things. Mm. I bet you do. Uh, and, I mean, I'm sure that memory would be still etched in your mind, you know, a couple of years later. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. It was a, a very... Yeah. Uh, a very bad day from a fire yeah, perspective. Yeah. And, and it was, I mean, it, it, Phil, we've talked about this before, the conditions on that day were just astronomical. The wind was so fast so and the w- wind was so hot. You know, we were very lucky we didn't lose, you know, half the Barossa Valley on that. Um, uh, Michael, on that day, uh, do, do you appreciate what you could be driving into, you volunteers? Oh, we could see it, to be honest, where we turned right from... Uh, I remember being on Grand Junction Road, turning onto on Port Wakefield Road, and we we could see the smoke plume from there. So we knew it wasn't good, and we could hear the radio chatter. We heard uh, there was there was two CFS appliances that were involved in a burnover. We actually yeah. heard that on the radio as we were approaching. Uh, we knew that it wasn't good, and we knew the day, the weather conditions were horrendous. You yeah. know, had, had that started in a different point part of the state it, it would have been even worse i think mm, um mm. so yeah we, we could definitely see that it wasn't wasn't looking good and you as a volunteer who goes out there without being paid and puts yourself in this danger do you get a bit frustrated the fact that the vast majority of the population don't appreciate exactly what you're driving into uh well we i, I personally get more frustrated by people that are, are over complacent you know, they think, oh, that'll never happen to me. Mm. You know, I live near a town, I'll be okay. Or I'm not, I'm not in a bush area, I'm just in a, in a grassland area, there's no risk. The risk is there, the risk is real. And, and people need to realise that and need to be prepared. Mm. They mm. need to have a, a plan in place. And if they don't have a plan, they need to decide to leave and leave early. All right, we'll, uh, we'll take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll talk about that because Christmas, you know, as I said, 21 days until Christmas, we just gave away the wonderful uh, uh, O'Brien's pork ham. Um, we need to start thinking about uh, what we're going to do over the Christmas holidays. That's coming up next. And good to have you with us. Uh, we're talking about the fire season, which will be here before we know it, and uh, we have uh, Phil uh, McDonough from um, the CFS with us and also Michael Kane, a, uh, a very committed uh, volunteer. Happy to take your calls if you've got any queries for them. Eight double two three double o double o. Phil, Christmas, 21 days. Uh, we need to start planning, don't we? I think an awful lot of people pack up the car, forget their woes and head off into the, uh, into the, uh, the great uh, country of ours with no regard as to what might happen while they're on that road trip. Yeah, that's right. And this is, this is where planning what you're doing and where you're going is pretty important because you're going to be out of your normal surroundings. Um, you're going to be somewhere different. You need to know what you're doing. And you might be travelling through two, three, four different fire band districts for your uh, uh, your summer break. Mm. So you need to know what restrictions are going to be in place in those areas. And especially uh, a lot of people go away and they think, oh, I'll have a campfire and stuff like that. So knowing where you are and if there's a total fire ban will actually uh, benefit you because you'll know what risks are around that area. Also, um, you know, if you're going to be camping somewhere, make sure you, you know your escape routes yeah. and the like. And, and mm. if you plan properly, you, you'll have no issues. But there are risks associated with travelling through the country during the summer. Absolutely. What about uh, come Christmas Day? I want to put, uh, you know, that turkey in the, in the, the barbie. What if it's a total fire ban? Well, it's great if it's a gas barbie because you can. Uh, But if it's a charcoal one, unfortunately you can't because um, it's 
what we consider a solid wood-fired mm. um, barbecue. So you can't have them. You can only have them if you get a permit um, to operate those sort of things. And rule of thumb, those permits can be obtained from councils, but unfortunately councils, when they issue these permits, need to do an inspection of the site so they risk manage and allow these permits to occur. A lot of councils don't have the resources mm. and they might be inundated with 50, 60, 70 permit requests, they just won't be able to do it. So um, plan now, make sure you've got a gas barbecue, then you're not relying on your wood, solid wood-fired barbecue for Christmas. And also know what that escape path is. Uh, you know, if, if you're camping on the York Peninsula or whatever, you need to know exactly more than one way to get out. Absolutely. That's the message, isn't it? Yep, yeah. yep. And just make sure that you've got the information with you. Mm. Um, it, it's, it's pretty easy. What, what, do you have a little hit list of what you would take in the car with you on a on a stinking hot uh, uh, drive? I'm usually working those days. <laughs> you are too. <laughs> so, but, but yes, we do. Um, and you can access a lot of the information from the CFS website on things for if you're travelling. There are hints and guides um, for... Uh, that if you've got horses on your property, if you've um, got different things around your property, what to do around your property, all that information is there. Um, absolutely. So to just log on to the CFS website. Uh, Michael, you've got to, have you got one last message to, to our listeners who might be uh, planning on going away at Christmas or, you know, thinking that attitude of, uh, that I think it's a great Australian attitude, it'll be right, it won't happen to me. You got a message? Yeah, well, that, that complacency, you know, middle of winter from a fire perspective is probably fine, but, but if, if you're going into a country area and, and, once again, even if you think, oh, the fuel load's not that bad, it's just a grazing area, I'll be right, you know, my car's a good car, complacency is not is not the safe way to do it. The people that got caught in Pinery, one of them was caught in a car trying to escape mm. when it was too late, mm. lived in a bushfire risk area, didn't have escape routes that were planned. And as firefighters, we do the same thing when we arrive at a fire site. We're always thinking about, OK, if things turn bad, how do we get out of here? And let's have multiple ways of getting out. Let's not get ourselves into a spot where we're going to get caught. And and I think the public needs to do the same thing. Don't mm. be complacent. Have a plan in place and, and be prepared. And uh, I guess, uh, Phil, finally, and it's not a very nice point to end on, it's not a case of whether this will happen, it will happen again, won't it? Absolutely. There are things that we can control and things we can't. Once a fire starts under extreme conditions, as we've seen uh, in the last few years, we can't control it mm. and, and we have no power to combat it. Um, we will go into asset protection mode and we will do what we can to protect the community, the lives and property. But at the end of the day, we're at the, the mercy of the weather. All right. Well, listen, uh, thanks for coming in. Uh, all the best. I hope... Um, well, look, we'll, we'll keep on pushing home the message so people actually do, you know, realise that uh, our future sits with us effectively as individuals and uh, we, we need to do the right thing. Not only for our, for us, but our, our neighbours as well. Thanks for coming. Good to see you. Let's hope the next time we, we talk, it's not on on a more serious situation. No worries. Thanks, Phil. Have a good and uh, and Michael, I hope you're not called upon too often this year as a volunteer. So do I. Good on you. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks. gentlemen. Uh, just go to the CFS website for more information. There's a whole range of things on there, including the plans that you should put in place and the advice. So uh, do yourself a favour and uh, be prepared. Don't wait until tomorrow because it might be too late.